The MomCast is brought to you by Mid-Ohio Pediatrics, where your family is ours. By Aquatots Swim Schools in Westerville. Safety first, fun every second. And by Once Upon a Child. Play more for less. Mom! Mama! Mommy! It's the MomCast, with your hosts, Mindy Dreher, Michaela Hunt, and Stacy McKay. Mom, I need you! And I have to say, I am really excited because we're doing something a little new this week with MomCast. We have recorded our show, our podcast, out at Mid-Ohio Pediatrics. You've heard us talking about Mid-Ohio Pediatrics and Adolescents. And we've got a lot of great topics to cover with you. And we hope all the kids are back in school now. I know my daughter just started this week, uh, the larger districts around where we live this week. So I know many have been in school now for a couple of weeks, but we hope everything is going smoothly. And that moms, maybe you're getting a little me time finally, (laughs) which is kind of nice. I know for me, I had a little meltdown on the first day of school because it was the first time I didn't go to school with my daughter. Um, I'm sure a lot of us have gone through that as well. When it comes to our kids, really, I think the most important issue is health. And we are so lucky today because we are talking with a table full of doctors at Mid-Ohio Pediatrics and Adolescents. And we've heard from Dr. Kathy Fullett before. Kathy, why don't you go around and tell everyone who's with us today? All right. To my right is my partner, Dr. Mira Maida. We have Dr. Brent Barson. And we have Dr. Rick Petrella, who will be talking to us about bicycle safety. I've always heard that there's a cure-all for everything, and that's laughter and sleep. So we're going to talk a little bit more about sleep with Dr. Maida. How important is it really that kids and moms get the appropriate sleep? Um, Important. Very, very important. Um, You know, one of the things that sleep, that we when we talk about sleep, that we should recognize is that it is going to be an issue that we discuss from the moment you bring your child home from the hospital to the moment they leave for college or bigger, better things. And the reason we discuss it so frequently is because it can impact both the child's and the parent's lives every single day. So we start off from the very beginning where is your child sleeping? Is your child sleeping on their back? Do you have stuffed animals? You know, a lot of people feel like if I am not putting my child to sleep on their back in a crib or a bassinet, then I am okay if I sleep with them in my arms. And that gets scary because I've had patients drop their babies, you know, and, and that is one of those things where then it goes back to parents need their sleep too. We all need sleep. That's how we recharge, how we refresh. I think every single one of us, whether it's been in a medical setting or in a grocery store, have seen the effects of a child who hasn't gotten enough sleep. So our um, our advice and our guidance is always going to be how to get that how to achieve it. And it's not going to be perfect. It is going to change. I tell people vacations cause change in sleep, daylight saving hours, um, the change from summer to school time. All of these things are going to change a sleep pattern. And just like everything else we've discussed, being aware, being knowledgeable. Okay, my kid's going back to school in two weeks. What do I need to do in order to get them to a healthy sleep pattern that works for the school year? When you're talking about getting the right amount of sleep, what is the right amount of sleep? And is it different per age? Yes, it is. A typical newborn is going to sleep about 18 to 20 hours a day. And yes, that seems like it is a lot. And how are you 
so tired when you have a newborn at home, but that is what they're actually getting. They're going to be falling asleep while they're eating. They're going to fall asleep during diaper chains, changes. So in the beginning, they're sleeping a lot. And um, once you have established a sleep pattern, which can take months, you know, I tell parents, I'm not going to ask you if your kid's sleeping through the night till they're four months old. And if they sleep five hours at a time, then we're good. They're sleeping through the night. Um, but once they get to be several months old up to a toddler, we're looking, we want them to sleep 10 to 12 hours a night and we want them to take one or two naps a day, um, based on what works for your child. And so I typically say 12 to 15 hours during those toddler years per day is something that we'd like to achieve. Um, it is not perfect for every single child and some children wean themselves off naps and I'm encouraging quiet time during that point. What about teenagers? Teenagers. Um, this is a, a, a topic. Teenagers themselves are near and dear to my heart, but um, 10 hours is what we would like. And, you know, one of the reasons that I say that the teenagers are near and dear to my heart is because I have a lot of teenage patients. I um, adopt a lot of teenage girls who are, you know, I don't want to see the guy doctor anymore. Um, and one of the things that I always try to stress with them is things are always going to increase, um, meaning social activities, meaning homework, sports commitments. And what is the one thing that always gives in that situation? Sleep. Um, and I get these kids who are saying, I come home from night, Dr. Maida, at, at night from a sports activity. It's nine, ten o'clock at night. I still have to eat. I have to shower. I have to get my homework done. I'm not going to bed until 12 or one o'clock in the morning. And then I have to be up at six o'clock in the morning the next day to go to school. Not only is this not enough sleep to function, um, but it is something that may cause more anxiety um, more stress. Uh, you will maybe not perform as well in school or in sports activities. And you're also going to be a more unsafe driver. Um, and these are all things that are very important to a child's health. And so that's where we come in to step in and say, what are the things that we can do to help improve that? What about healing your body? Because I've heard when you're sick, the best way to heal, one of the best ways is sleep. And I've also heard, and it may be a wife's tale, but does it help your child grow the more they sleep, the more they grow when they're younger? I have heard that. I don't know if it's true or not. That's one of my favorite um, things that I tell kiddos when I'm trying to encourage them to sleep. We do release growth hormone at the very early morning hours. And so I always tell the kids, and I don't know if they know him quite as well, but I always say, look at Shaquille O'Neal. He used to sleep a ton when he was growing up. And look how tall he is now. Um, you know, there is something to be said of not getting enough sleep and pushing yourself and potentially setting yourself up for an illness or an infection. And then there's the opposite when you get an illness or an infection. In this society, unfortunately, it is all about being on the go and staying on the go. And constantly I am telling my patients when they're ill, even it's for even if it's for a run of the mill cold, take the time to rest and heal. You know, that is going to be one of the biggest things you are, you're not paying me to necessarily write you an antibiotic every single time. You're paying me to say, you don't need this. Your body's got it. You just need to rely on it for sleep and for healing whatever you got going on. 
Like just to add too that um, you know, with uh, a lot of the kids we're seeing with uh, with obesity and being overweight, uh, what a, a integral role that sleep plays in terms of um, of trying to lose weight uh, and metabolism. Uh, you know, I mean, it's adolescents and children and even even adults too. Can there be issues where kids? just they can't sleep? I mean, can they have the same type of sleep problems that an adult could have? In other words, insomnia or, you know, something that they would need, you know, help with? Absolutely. And that's why when we're having our checkups, we're asking about sleep every single time. Um, And there are things like sleep apnea, for example. I've started asking a lot more, does your child snore at night? Um, Are they having gasps in their breathing? Um, We're noticing more and more that we need to be aware of this because we need to potentially do something to prevent it from happening. Um, Insomnia, the question is, what's really going on with your child? Is it we're not getting enough activity during the day? Is there something else? You know, is there depression? Is there anxiety? Um, Why is this child not falling asleep at night? Or is it a poor sleep hygiene? Going back to what Dr. Fulop mentioned, you know, having electronics in the bedroom, whether it's the TV, the phone, a tablet, you know, first of all, they're keeping your child's brain awake. And second of all, what are they really being exposed to during that time? Is it potentially scaring them or is it potentially making them say, I need to stay up because my friend is going to text me back about what's going on with her boyfriend? All these things are contributing to what is happening when you're trying to fall asleep. Now, what can you do about my husband snoring? Because <laughs> I get no sleep because he does get sleep. <laughs> So, Doctor, I'm in. I'm team first grade over here in my family right now. So this is the first time that Logan has been in school all day. And I talked with other moms within the last week, and they're going through the same thing, just r- attitude, upset at the end of the day. And I think I'm having him get enough sleep. He goes to bed at about 7.30, and he's getting up at 7 o'clock. Is that not enough, or do I need to do something in the short term to help fix it in this first few weeks? It sounds like he's getting enough volume of sleep. So the hours of sleep is completely normal. Also look to make sure, you know, once he's fallen asleep, peek your head in a couple of times before you go to bed. Make sure he's not snoring. Make sure he's not restless. But one of the big things with the whole going back to school is it's a change in routine. It's um, especially those kindergartners or first graders who are doing the full day. They're not used to being mentally stimulated to that extent from the beginning they get to school to the end of the day. And who doesn't need a nap when they're home from the end of the day? And at that point in time, it may not be the best time to sleep. So that's one of those things where you're going to see that. And you may have to do things to prevent it in the sense of, um, do we need to make sure that there needs to be a snack there so that blood sugar isn't dropping? Do we need to just talk about the transition um, to of the change in time from summer to fall? And also for next school year, does that mean a week or two before school starts that we need to start changing the sleep schedule slowly so that it isn't such an abrupt change? So I get to talk to the doc with the rock and socks and bow tie. 
which I, I'm pretty excited about that. We will definitely have a picture up of that on the Facebook page and on our Twitter account. So Dr. Rick Petrella is also part of the Mid-Ohio Pediatrics Practice. And you've brought some things with you today. And I can I see you have a true passion for bicycle helmet safety. And we've been riding bikes at my house now this summer. We both, my husband and I got bikes and the kids are riding with us. And we've had this helmet conversation because not all of us grew up wearing them all the time back in the late 70s, early 80s. You survived, right? Well, I, I survived, yes. So I think the conversation sometimes is, okay, so do we have to have them all the time? When do we have them? And I know there's been a lot of change. You need your bike helmet whenever you get on something that moves. So, you know, maybe even sometimes a car. Um, but no, seriously. <laughs> Anything, when I talk to my kids about uh, bicycle helmets and bike safety, um, I tell them that, um, you know, when they get on the bike, think of me, have my face you know, my image saying that you need your bike helmet. So if it's a bicycle, some of them don't wear them with scooters, so I bring up scooters. And I tell them if they're doing anything like, you know, rollerblades, skateboard, ripsticks, and they'll, mothers will look at me and say, well, what's a ripstick? And the kid will start telling them, and I say, I say, you know, that too. What is a ripstick? Ripstick is a fancy skateboard. It's a little bit more dangerous. It has just, uh, what, two wheels, I think, instead of four wheels. So they need it, you know, when they're doing that as well. So for you, obviously, given this T-shirt, the stickers that we have here on the table for Dr. P's Helmet Club, what made you really start to hone in on this message with patients? Well, I'll tell you what. We are in pediatrics, and we feel like we um, are responsible to counsel people on a lot of different things, patients on a lot of different things. Um, and the thing that I've found in my 36 years of practice that I think that I've made the most impact is with bicycle helmet safety because I bring it up all the time. I am very passionate about it. You know, I stress it with my kids. They used to balk it wearing helmets when we went on vacation in Hilton Head years ago, but I made them take a picture with the helmets on so I can go back and show my patients that, you know, I'm not only preaching it, but we are living it as well. And my daughter, one year when she was uh, a little bit older, uh, she was getting ready to go out and take her bike out. And I said, Ange, I said, you need your helmet on. She looked and she thought and she said, okay, I'll just drive today. I said, <laughs> okay, that's fine. But she knew that whenever they walked out, if they got on the bike, you know, both she and my son, that they, you know, they needed their helmet. And I want all the kids to remember that uh, because I bring it up and I've got some funny stories about things too. You know, when I, um, I'll talk to them about uh, bicycle helmet safety and say, you know, like I said before, you need it whenever you get on something that's moving. Um, and sometimes I'm talking to the kids and, you know, say, do you wear your helmet? And they say, wear my helmet. But you know what? When mom goes out and rides or dad goes out and rides, <clears throat> they don't wear theirs. So it gives me an opportunity then to talk to the parent about it. And I say, you need to be a good role model. And I'll say, if you can show me that you've been riding your bike with a helmet, you can get one of my stickers. So I get a sticker if I wear my helmet. Sticker, yes. Uh, and I also tell them that I'm going to be looking for them, and if I find them out in the community without their helmets on, that I'm going to bust them. And they look at me and they say, well, you don't know where I live. And I just <laughs> kind of secretly look down at the chart, and I give them their address. And, uh, and the one, one looked at me and said, are you a policeman? I said, a bicycle helmet policeman. I said, well, you. Well, you know, there are communities that have ordinances now, obviously, on the books that have to do with uh, helmets for bicycles. Why do you think this is a bigger conversation now in 2016 than maybe when some of us who now have kids were growing up? What has made the difference? 
Well, I think because we've seen the consequences of uh, people and kids who have not worn helmets, you know, significant injuries uh, wherever. I mean, even if they're going out on their driveway. So that's why I think that, you know, like a lot of things, especially in pediatrics, if you start young and get them acclimated to it and used to it, it becomes automatic. You know, bicycle helmet safety, you know, car seats, seat belts, all those things. Um, you know, when I was a kid, my dad used to pick me up from school with about five or six others of us in a pickup truck. We all piled in the back. You know, there was no question about, you know, safety there, yet we all survived. So that's a lot of times what parents will say, you know, why do we have to do this now? Well, because we know it's safe and it is better. So, you know, the same thing with, um, you know, with a lot of things, even though it was not done this way in the past, we have better ways to do it. And it's the better, smarter way to do it. So you should do it. And I need to counsel you to do it. Let's throw another component into this via 2016. Are kids getting on bikes with their phones and digital devices and using them? I have a, uh, just the other day, my wife and I were, were out for a walk and um, we saw this girl, this uh, probably middle-aged girl, and she's getting onto her bike without a helmet, had a stand, a, you know, um, iPod stand. Like a, like a small tripod. Exactly. That, you know, attached to the handlebar of her, you know, of her, yeah, of her uh, bike. And she got on that and she, you know, started to text and, and ride the bike. And I did all I could because I, I say, did you stop and say something? She was not my patient. <laughs> Had she been my patient, I definitely would have, but I, I'm a little hesitant to, you know, just jump in, you know, and say something to somebody that I don't know. But, uh, that's, that's a recipe for disaster, you know, and I did see another one, uh, you know, driving on Schrock road who was, you know, pedaling, no helmet texting, you know, right there. And, um, uh, you know, that's just... Uh, You're asking for it, it seems like, in that situation. And I, another story is, uh, you know, you, you kind of help the kids get the kids involved to help you, you know, promote the bicycle helmet safety. So I've got uh, several grandchildren. Um, my oldest is five years old, um, and she's become my foot soldier in my crusade for bike helmet safety. So, of course, she wears hers, and she's got, you know, one of my helmet stickers on her, you know, her helmet, but... We'll be driving in a car, walking, and she'll say, look, pop up, they're not wearing their, their helmet. And I say, you're right, Alice, as she said, and that's very dangerous, isn't it, pop up? And I said, it absolutely is. So, you know, she is helping me get the word out as well. So, Dr. Petrella, how do we know when we have the right fit, if you can answer that question, on a helmet? Because I, my six-year-old, he does, he'll say, I don't want it on, it's too tight, it feels like this. How do I know if I have the right helmet at the right age? I mean, do I just need to be talking with someone at a local bike shop, or do I need to do... Uh, that would probably be the best place to go, because they've got the most experience. Um, but you put it on, and you should have just a finger or two that, um, you know, that you can just get up there snugly. Uh, and pull it on and it you know strap should fit so it's not you know really pulling too tight it's not squeezing the skin uh and it's and it is important to you know to adjust it or get a new one as you know as the child gets older and fortunately they have really come down in price quite a bit you know since uh you know even a few years ago um they're very affordable um so i think that um you know that that shouldn't be an issue 
And Halloween, a time to really, kids are going to be out on bikes. I thought you might have something to mention about that. I mean, is, is that just a time where we really need to be even more cognizant because of the dark and all these kids out and about? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you bring up Halloween. Uh, we have fun here around Halloween, too, because uh, most of us will dress up in Halloween costumes. Um, and we just have a great time. You know, the, the kids, some, we have some parents who schedule appointments that day because they can come in. They want to come in and see what we're dressed up as. Uh, and, and we have a lot of fun with it. And mine, a few years ago, was this is a T-shirt that I had made up. And I know we're on radio right now, but it's got my, um, my helmet sticker logo on front and back. And so- Dr. P's Helmet Club and safety, Dr. P's Safety Patrol. And so I wore the T-shirt, and I had, of course, my padding on, you know, knee pads, and I had my helmet on, too. So uh, that was my way of promoting, you know, bicycle safety. It's your message. My message. It's my passion. And like I said, you know, I've been doing things for 36 years, and um, I think this is the thing that I feel like I've made a little bit of an impact. Um, And hopefully, you know, they see it that way. For you personally or any doctors in this practice, what was the worst injury you guys have seen because of not wearing a helmet? Well, we had a, uh, a helmet in the office a while back that, uh, that one of our patients, and I forget, was, was yours, Kathy? Mm-hmm. One of Kathy's patients who had, um, you know, what, flipped over the handlebars of the bike and actually had the helmet on. And I think actually survived the accident. Is that right? But the helmet was all busted up. I show patients that I pull it out and there is a section from the front of the helmet that just comes off of the helmet. So, and the eyes widen. So just one other thing, you know, um, it's easier as most things are to control when the children are younger. As they get older, you know, when I talk to my teenage patients, you know, um, I ask them about wearing the helmet. And, of course, they give me a hesitation, and I'll say, okay, I'll take that as a no. And I'll say, I, I know it's not cool at this age to not, you know, to wear a helmet. I said, but what's even more uncool is for me to have to come down to Children's Hospital and see you when you have a skull fracture and you're, you know, you're in intensive care. You know, we always talk about, you know, the, you know what's the most severe accident you've seen. Um, sometimes it's not even the severe accidents. And uh, I, I had a patient who was a teenager, and, and he actually told me I could tell other patients this. He was a teenage guy, football player, and he was in the driveway with his buddies, and they you know, were going on a bike ride, apparently, and he didn't have his helmet on. And he said he just kind of stumbled on his bike and kind of fell off, and he hit his head on the license plate of his car. And so he had a big gash in his head. Yes, he's not going to die from that, right? He's not. He didn't break his skull, but he had to get about 13 staples in his head to close the gash. He had to miss almost half of his football season because he couldn't put a helmet on uh, for football. It kept uh, what we call dehiscing or kind of splitting open. So he said one bad choice with not wearing his helmet and he had to miss half of his junior football season when he was like if I had a helmet on I wouldn't have been hurt at all the helmet would hit the license plate so you know sometimes we always think worst case scenario but sometimes a like just a kind of a goofy accident can you know not really hurt you hurt you but can really kind of impact you know your activities that you want to do Um, and then also so I know where it's kind of end of summer beginning of fall soon will be winter we always talk about you know what the bike patrols but um, uh, sledding, right? You know, sledding, we have been seeing more and more accidents, especially when we are doing our, you know, residency in children's hospital. 
on sledding accidents where people, you know, hitting a tree or hitting someone else and actually having, um, you know, in that case, you know, severe uh, head injuries. So, you know, not just bikes and, you know, other things you're riding, but, you know, it's sleds and skiing and snowboarding. It's pretty important as well. Can I take one of these for my six-year-old? Logan would love to be a member of Dr. P's Helmet Club. And for me, too. I get a pink one, too. If you tell me you've been riding your bike with the helmet on. Scouts honor. Girl Scouts honor. Now, Nikki, you guys have an interesting story. You're married to Dr. Barson, and he was a patient here when he was a kid, and now you are here. So, so tell us a little bit about that and what it means to be a patient here. We have our oldest son, Evan, who is almost eight, and when we were pregnant with him, we had to decide where we wanted to go. And of course, Brent said, we're going to go see Dr. Petrella. That's who I saw growing up. And we came here and started seeing Dr. P. And then um, after Brent was in residency, he decided to come work here too. So you've been part of this place for how long? About three years. But as a patient, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so, so yes, so we bring our three children here. This is the best place in Columbus. I mean, everywhere you go or any other mom that I talk to, I mean, their kids go to Mid-Ohio Pediatrics too. And if they don't, they're like, oh, well, our friends go here. And we've been thinking about switching. So, I mean, it's. I would say the number one practice in the city. So we've seen, I've seen several of the doctors here myself um, with our kids, whether or not they were sick or not, and I have loved every single one of them. So I can't say a bad thing about the place. What is it like to now work with your doctor when, when you were a kid? One of the reasons that I definitely wanted to have the ability or possibly work with the practice is it's such a family environment where, uh, you know, from our front office staff to the doctors to the nurses, um, everyone just gets along very well um, where we take kind of a team approach. And, you know, I definitely thought, you know, being the new guy in here that, you know, I would have all these questions for all the more seasoned doctors, which I did. But, you know, I was kind of surprised with um, how they would have questions for me as well about, you know, what, what are we doing now in the hospital for these sort of illnesses? And, you know, I think it just says, um, it's, it's just, it's such a compliment um, for, um, I feel like Dr. Patrell and the other doctors to say, you know what, I really, you know, coming out of residency, you can go anywhere in the country to work. And there was no other place that I would have rather gone um, except here, because I just feel like the, the role models we have here, uh, how they're perceived in the community, how uh, they're just great physicians, how, you know, many, if not all of them, I mean, it's, I mean, we do, it's, it's, I mean, we go to church, they're just family environments. And it was just something that I felt like um, was, was my calling and something that I wanted to grow in my practice uh, and just kind of fall in the footsteps of these previous physicians that are working here. We can be reached at 614-899-0000 for any new patient concerns at Mid-Ohio Pediatrics. We're also available online at www.midohiopediatrics.com, and you can look us up on Facebook. We're taking newborns through 18, and we'd love to see you. I can tell you that one of the most important things that I think my daughter has learned, she's now starting her fourth grade year, um, but for several years now, she has known how to swim. And I will tell you, I think that is one of the most important things we can teach our kids. And 
at an early age. So if you've been thinking about it, there is a great place, Aquatots Swim Schools. Kid-tested, mother-approved, they have children of all ages, tiny little ones, all the way up into elementary school and even beyond that. And it's for every level. You know, I know my daughter learned how to swim in kindergarten. Some of her friends already knew how to do that. And I remember her being very nervous about it. Well, at Aquatots, they understand that. And uh, they can help your kids feel at ease and understand um, that they can do it. And they do it again on their level. And I will tell you this, they also work around your schedule. And that is a big deal, right? If you have to cancel, if something pops up, and for what family doesn't it? Uh, Aquatot Swim Schools can help you out. And we thank them for being a sponsor of our MomCast. If you're like me, school is in session, and then that's when you realize there are some things, eh, I didn't uh, get everything I needed, or... Um, If you're also like me, we had this happen one year. I don't know if it's happened to you. School started or maybe late in summer you bought school clothes and then there was the growth spurt and suddenly you're out (laughs) all the clothes and all the money that you spent. Well, there's a great place that can help you. Once upon a child where they have gently used kids clothing for less. So the things they're out of, you can sell them. At Once Upon a Child, you can sell them and get a little cash and then take that cash to use on some items, previous experienced items, (laughs) but items that are new to your kid. And again, you know what? They'll probably get a little bit of wear out of them and then they're out of them again and the whole process starts all over again. So if you're looking for a great way to get some stuff for your kids uh, to get them through the year, but you don't want to spend a lot of money, we understand that. Don't break the bank. Uh, get some gently used clothing at Once Upon a Child. You can go to onceuponachild.com and find locations all over. A convenient location for you to save some cash and get all that stuff you need for the kids. Thank you so much for joining us this week on MomCast. Uh, we've had a great time. We were out at Mid-Ohio Pediatrics and Adolescents. Great information for you. And uh, take a little time for yourselves this week, Mom. Uh, and as always, uh, don't forget, if you want to join us for an evening out, we've got all that information on how you can be a part of a special evening that we're going to have, which will include for our winners a little design help at the BIA Parade of Homes that's in our area in Central Ohio. If you go to our Facebook page, our MomCast Facebook page, you'll find it there. All we need is a picture of your most outdated piece of furniture or something that's in your house. Maybe it's even a room, and then you're in. And we'll have a random drawing with three winners who can bring along a guest and join us for a special evening. We'll have hors d'oeuvres, champagne. It's going to be a good time, and I hope you'll join Mindy, Michaela, and I for that. Again, go to our Facebook page. And as always, if you have a topic that you want to talk about, please find us on Facebook, on Twitter, at momcast.com, momcastshow.com. And uh, let us know. We would love to hear from you. Have a great week.